Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Guardians 11, the Minnesota Twins 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And that's the way you close out a series. That's the way you finish off a five-game set against the Minnesota Twins, against your division rival who you've been battling for first place for your division all season, that's how you finish off a series with a statement like that. That was a definitive statement yesterday from your Cleveland Guardians. They end up taking four out of five in the series, which is amazing, which is beyond expectations. Fantastic to take four out of five. Uh, you knock them seven games back in the division. You extend your lead without the White Sox playing yesterday to four games over the White Sox heading into a three-game set. So, yeah, it was good work yesterday by your Cleveland Guardians. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game because holy moly, did the offense wake up. I mean, the offense has to be the top storyline in the game. 11 runs on 14 hits. Not to mention mix in five walks. Not to mention mix in four stolen bases. I mean, they were just off and running in this one. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> the top storyline is apparently they just needed a good night's sleep. I mean, they go until 1 a.m. You know, probably by the time they get out of that clubhouse, it's after 1 a.m. on a Saturday night. They come back for a 1.40 start on Sunday. And both teams were dragging. I mean, both teams were feeling the effects of that that doubleheader on Saturday into extended into extra innings, and uh, yeah, the Twins come out on top on Sunday. We get three hit right by Ryan, and uh, the bats are looking very quiet. Well, they go ahead, they get a good night's sleep, right? They get to relax a little bit. They come back to the ballpark for this Monday makeup game. And just absolutely hammer out four runs in the first two innings. Uh, you know, they give a little bit back to the Twins, but then hammer, you know, seven more runs uh, from the sixth on. So, yeah, the offense really, really comes to life. I mean, in the first inning, they jump all over Sonny Gray. Now, Sonny Gray was not his best. Uh, I actually checked the Twins article in this one, you know, obviously, I check on Mandy Bell's article to see what quotes she pulls from the post-game press conference. Well, I checked the Twins one, and they were right. I mean, Sonny Gray's velocity was down on all his pitches. Every pitch across the board, almost a mile and a half to two mile per hour down on all his pitches. So he ends up leaving with what they're calling a hamstring injury, but he just was not sharp at all. Uh in this game, and he gets hammered from the start. I mean, Stephen Kwan with a nice shot in the left field to kick things off. Ahmed Rosario does hit into a force out. All right, whatever. Jose Ramirez with a single uh, moves Ahmed Rosario up, and then Josh Naylor, it doesn't matter, leaves no doubt, gets a curveball, and he gets under this thing and launches it 109 miles per hour, 30-degree launch angle, 413 I mean, way out at the he hit in like the top row of those right field seats. So he absolutely blasts one, and boom, we're up three nothing 
to start this game. Oscar Gonzalez would get a single behind him, but then Andres Jimenez would ground into a double play. So yeah, four of the first five batters in the lineup come up and get hits. So that's a way to kick off a game. And I went to look at Josh Naylor, and he doesn't hit the curveball very well. Now, he does have four home runs off breaking balls, but he's got a 202 batting average against breaking balls. He's only slugging 384. Meanwhile, he's over 400 for both fastballs and off-speed pitches. So if you want Josh Naylor slugging, it's usually a fastball. Uh, it's not very often that he gets a breaking ball like this. Like I said, a 202 batting average. He's got a 28.3% whiff rate against breaking balls, his highest whiff rate against the three pitch types you know, that they track on Baseball Savant on StatCast here. Uh, fastballs, breaking balls, off-speed pitches. So, yeah, uh, not a typical home run from Josh Naylor, but he gets under this one and absolutely launches it. Great way to kick things off. And then, boom, in the second inning, even with two outs, they put together a little rally here. Miles Straw with a walk. He advances the third base on a pickoff attempt that goes astray. Uh, Sonny Gray could, didn't even have good pickoff attempts yesterday. So he was really, really struggling in all aspects of the game. And then Stephen Kwan comes up. He gets a curveball. He ropes this thing in a right field past a diving outfielder. He ends up with a triple, a hustle triple on the thing. 101.9 mile per hour rocket into right field off of a curveball. And Stephen Kwan does not typically hit the curveball as well as he hits other pitches. Uh, again, his breaking off uh, breaking balls this season, he's only a 248 hitter. He's only slugging 349. Whereas off fastballs, he's a 308 hitter and is slugging 400 off of off-speed pitches, so mostly changeups. Um, he's a 284 hitter. Uh, doesn't slug that much, but does hit a lot of singles off of those off-speed pitches. So yeah, a little atypical for Stephen Kwan here uh, to be able to hit a, a curveball and uh, deliver a big extra base hit off of it. Um, so uh, yeah, they were really doing damage off Sonny Gray's uh, curveball. Uh, three hits come off of the curveball, all down at the knees. Uh, Naylor's home run, uh, Stephen Kwan's, and then uh, Stephen Kwan's triple. And then Jose Ramirez had a single off of a curveball down there as well. Uh, so yeah, Sonny Gray does not last long in this game. Uh, they really hammer him. They go to Ronnie Hen Henriquez, uh, making his major league debut. And uh, I mean, yeah, Sonny Gray lasts two innings and then he is gone. And this was a painful game for a lot of players. There were a lot of moments in this game where guys had to deal with things. So Gray leaves after two innings for what they're calling a hamstring. Their catcher, Sandy Leone, doesn't make it many more innings before he's taken out. He takes a foul tip off the belly. He takes a foul tip straight off the mask. They actually say he left the game because his knee was acting up, but uh, their catcher can't make it through the game. He's getting beat up. Jose Ramirez takes a ball in the ribs on a pickoff attempt at first base, uh, so he's getting beat up. Josh Naylor gets hit in the foot and has to dive out of the way, and you know Josh Naylor doesn't like things down around his legs. Very protective of his legs. Might have let out a few expletives as he hit the dirt uh, that got picked up by the field mics. 
So it was a painful game all the way around. Luckily, it didn't affect the Guardians too much, but it did knock out both the pitcher and catcher for the Minnesota Twins in this one. And just, you know, we have beat the Twins. Like, we have really handled the Twins so far this season. But you got to admit, the Twins might be the most beat-up team in baseball. I mean, their injured reserve right now could be a, a really competitive team. Uh it's, it's a heck of a team that's all beat up and injured right now. And even guys like Luis Arise are just hanging in there, DHing, trying to make it through the rest of the season, despite hitting 317. Um, so, yeah, so we get to them early, score four runs early, and you're thinking, all right, we're cruising here. We got this thing locked down. Well, Cal Quantrill kind of loses it in the middle of the game, and the offense has to go back to work. We'll get to Cal Quantrill, but let's keep talking offense here. So the Twins do get close. They make it a 3-4 to four game in the top of the sixth inning with a Nick Gordon solo home run. Ah, you're thinking, boy, man, this offense is going to need a little bit more. Well, here they come in the bottom of the sixth inning. They have the answer for you. So Miles Straw, again, the hustle in the speed in this game. I told you they had four stolen bases in this game. Well, the triples, they have two triples in this game. And this one from Miles Straw was huge. Um, in the sixth inning, off of Enriquez, the uh, the rookie pitcher, um, this is with one out. He hits one off the wall in left field. In left field and just burns around second. No hesitation. Absolutely flying around the bases. Comes into third uh, with a triple. You do not see triples hit to left field in progressive field. It just doesn't happen. It's not. It's a doubles park. It's not a triples park. Maybe it was straw, like you get a diving right fielder and you get a triple, or you get a slow trickler down into the right field corner, you get a triple. You just don't see many off the wall in left field that go for triples. Miles straw, zero hesitation though, uh, rounding second and going for third. He knew he had the speed to burn that and make it happen. It's interesting because when he got when that pickoff attempt earlier in the game, uh, in the second inning, when he scored that run in the second inning, uh, he does hesitate going around second base because most guys, you know, you you on a pickoff attempt, you see the ball go past you, you know you've got one base, but you're running away from the play. You, you don't know where the ball is. So he actually has to stop going around second, pick up the ball again. The right fielder bobbles the ball or overruns the ball, and so then he scampers the third. So it's interesting that on that moment, he had to hesitate going around third, around second and still made it. This time, no question in his mind. As, as soon as he came around second base, he knew he was going to third. So that's the kind of base running I like to see. Steven Kwan draws a walk. Like I said, they drew five walks on the day. Definitely helps. And then Ahmed Rosario gets a first pitch, high and tight fastball, and somehow he gets his hands through this pitch and hits it 102.4 miles per hour, a line drive, 24-degree launch angle, 382 over the wall onto the home run porch in left field. And absolutely, this is all about hands. This is, you can't hit a pitch up and in like this unless you pull your hands through and just have some ridiculous bat speed. I mean, absolutely ridiculous bat speed to be able to connect with this thing. And it's interesting. Again, I go to his zones. Uh, he does not have any barrels from this spot. 
He, his average exit velocity from pitches up and in off the plate is 79.7 miles per hour average exit velocity. Zero barrels from up and in. Remember, barrels is about average exit velocity plus the launch angle. His average launch angle from pitches up and tight like this is eight, eight degree launch angle. So he's not lifting these pitches. He's got a few, he's got a bunch of singles. He's got a bunch of hits. He's got 12 singles, four doubles from this up and in location. So he will, you know, shoot one through the left side or something like that. Uh, but he does not, he barely has any hard hit balls from up in this location. Well, he's got one now. I mean, his batting average is interesting. His batting average is 432 from pitches up and in. But I told you, it's mostly singles and doubles. Uh, It's mostly ground balls. 48% ground ball rate from up and in. 34% line drive. Only a 10% fly ball rate from pitches up and in off the plate. Now, what's interesting is he will lift balls. He does have a 42% fly ball rate from pitches up and in in the strike zone. Off the plate, up and in, no, only a 10% fly ball rate. So, yes, this was a little bit atypical for uh, Ahmed Rosario uh, in this one. But he makes it work. He gets the hands through, and he absolutely smashes a three-run home run, which we really needed. We really needed this one because the Twins were coming back into this thing. We needed another big hit to extend this lead, to really give a cushion to our pitching staff, to to prove that this offense really was locked in. And uh, Ahmed Rosario delivers it here in the sixth inning with this big three-run home run. Well, the Guardians' offense wasn't done. They do us the favor of going to uh, Jorge Lopez in the bullpen. And uh, eighth inning, uh, we get to face Lopez, and we absolutely unload on this guy. Lopez, the poor guy, has been awful since coming to Minnesota. This is a guy who, with Baltimore, was an all-star, had 19 saves, had a 168 ERA, had a 0.97 whip, 54 strikeouts to 17 walks, right? This was a guy who was really cooking with the Baltimore Orioles. He comes to Minnesota. He's now got a 560 ERA, He's got a 1.98 whip. He's got 14 strikeouts to 13 walks. Wow, what a difference. What a difference a uniform makes. I don't know, a city makes. I I don't know what's going on with Jorge Lopez, but it has been a disaster. And the Twins picked him up thinking he was going to you know, anchor a bullpen that was going to take them to the playoffs. And it's just been an absolute disaster. Well, he comes in here, immediately gives up a home run to Luke Maley. Uh, hits one 103.7, and then they just rally off him. Straw with a walk gets on base. Quan does fly out, but Ahmed Rosario with a single. Jose Ramirez with a single. Josh Naylor walks, and on a wild pitch, Ahmed Rosario scores from third base. Oscar Gonzalez would line out, but Andres Jimenez would deliver an RBI single up the middle that would bring in Jose Ramirez to score. Freeman would single at, until Luke Maley would finally fly out, so they bat around in the eighth inning. And uh, put up four more runs on the board. All credit to Jorge Lopez. They finally have to go to the to a position player, Palacios, just to get out of it, to face the last two batters. So he gives up the single to Freeman before getting Luke Maley to fly out. So absolutely fantastic job of just really, really leaving no doubt in this thing. And Lopez is just... 
I mean, he's just lost right now for the Minnesota Twins. So uh, they do us a favor by pitching Lopez, and we hammer out four more runs off them. So just a fantastic day for the offense. Multi-hit games from your top four hitters in the lineup. Quan, Rosario, Ramirez, and Naylor, all with multi-hit games. Uh, tons of RBIs to go around for the top of that order, too. Tons of runs scored. Uh, not to mention three of the four guys also walked, so they're on base three times. Uh, Straw from the ninth spot. He's getting it done. Two more walks. Nice to see that come back into Miles Straw's game. You know, it's always something that's boosted his on-base percentage was being able to draw walks and uh, draws two in this game to go with the triple that he hit. He scores three runs from the ninth spot in the lineup, so definitely a good job of turning the lineup over and getting Rally started from the ninth spot in the lineup. All right, that's my thoughts on the offense. The other side of this, of course, is the pitching. And Cal Quantrill, like I said, he only lasts five and a third inning, gives up nine hits, three earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. He does give up a solo home run on 95 pitches. He's hard at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Not the best start from Cal Quantrill, but here's the thing. Cal Quantrill pitching at home. This might have been the easiest bet for... Uh, for anybody out at a sports book, you know, I guess you don't have to be at a Vegas sports book anymore to make a bet on sports. Anybody uh, with one of those DraftKings type apps uh, can make a bet. But for, yeah, for gamblers, this is probably the easiest bet you're going to make all season because it's Cal Quantrill pitching at home. The Guardians are going to win the game. Cal Quantrill might not win the game. Uh, and does, does he get the win in this one? Yeah, I guess he probably does get the win in this one. Because uh, he did have the lead when they exit. He left at a 4-3 to three lead. Um, so he gets the win. He extends to 13-5 on the season. This is why they say wins don't really matter for a pitcher. Because I don't think Cal Quantrill really won this game. I think the Guardians offense won this game. He just happened to be the pitcher of record uh, who left with a lead. Um, at first, he's looking all right. But he gets into trouble in the fourth inning. They start to rally off him in the fourth inning. Um, gives up uh, a single to Carlos Correa. Miranda would double. Nick Gordon would single. So three hitters in a row uh, with uh, with hits off them. They try to turn to double plays, and they can't quite get it to work. So Urshela with a force out, Celestino with a force out, before Jake Cave finally strikes out. So they're able to drive some runs in that way. Um, it was a close double play. They almost turned to double play, but it gets beaten out there. Gets into uh, a little bit more trouble in the fifth inning, but he's able to get out of it. Gives up a single to a rise and a walk to Correa before Miranda hits into a force out. But then, boom, a leadoff home run by Nick Gordon in the sixth inning. And uh, I, f- I felt like Nick Gordon had been around for a while. This is only his second season. But, I mean, he smokes one. 105.2 mile per hour exit velocity, 409 feet. He absolutely unloads on one. Uh, and then they end up loading the bases. A single by Celestino. Jake Cave with a single. Uh, a weekly hit single, but a single. Matt Walner gets hit by the pitch. He kind of leans over one and gets hit in the jersey. So now the bases are loaded. And he goes to Sandlin out of the bullpen. Sandlin comes in. Immediately gets a double play. This was a fantastic defensive play. Contreras lines one weekly, but lines one 74.5 miles per hour. Right at first base. Right at Josh Naylor, who snags it and steps on the bag. Poor Walner was just taking a secondary lead, and he's a dead, he's a dead duck out there. Has no chance of getting back 
No chance of beating Naylor back to first base. So they turn a double play. A little bit of a lucky double play, right? It's a line drive. A little bit of a lucky double play. Um, but they turn the double play and get out of that bases loaded jam. So huge stuff from Sandlin to be able to come in and escape trouble like that. Uh, he does end up giving up a run eventually in the uh, in the seventh inning. They're able to add one more. But then the bullpen, you know, finishes the day off. Henches comes in and gives you two and a third innings of just shut down relief baseball. No hits, no walks, two strikeouts, just dominant to close out the game for Sam Henches. And and saves having another bullpen arm come in because without off days, anything they can do to rest people. So that means Stefan and Classe and Karinchek are well rested well-rested for the start of the Chicago White Sox series. So big stuff from Henches being able to come in and finish things. So what was up with Cal Quantrill? Well, uh, you know, nah, he wasn't really getting any whiffs. I mean, only on 11% whiff rate. Um, he did get 15 called strikes peppered in there, but they put 22 balls in play. They were hitting his sinker, his two-seamer, pretty hard. Average exit velocity of 93.5 off of that pitch, and yeah, he was just leaving sinkers out over the plate. If we go back to the illustrator here and we look at the results, there are a ton of hits that are just off the arm side of the center of the plate. I know that's complicated. Let me say it again. So from the center of the plate, just to the arm side, just off center, there are a bunch of hits all from the sinker. Nick Gordon singles off that sinker. Luisa Rye singles off that sinker. Matt Walner singles off that sinker. Jose Miranda doubles off of that sinker. That's all the stuff from basically the middle of the plate. Nick Gordon's homer was on a cutter, uh, but he gives up a single to Celestino out there off the sinker. Uh, somehow Jake Cave hit a changeup way off the plate. Uh, that was that little infield hit in the sixth inning. Um, and then a cutter to Carlos Correa. So he gives up two hits on the cutter but gives up five hits uh, via that sinker. And he was just kind of sitting in the middle of the plate with that thing a little a little too much. Uh, looking at his total pitches on the day, yeah, you could see he was trying to be aggressive with that sinker. He was trying to throw it for strikes. Probably needs to get it on the edges a little bit more. He does have a tendency, Cal Quantrill, to just pound the arm side of the plate. I mean, that's just what he does. Even the cutter will be out there sometimes. The changeup's out there. Uh, he will sweep the cutter across. He did have a handful of cutters that were down and into the glove side of the plate. But way too many sinkers just kind of sitting middle of the plate. Didn't really get the edge of the plate, I think, like he wanted. A little bit too much in the middle of the plate. So that's what was going on for Cal Quantrill. I'm still shocked that he's able to make it work as well as he's able to make it work with this sinker, two-seamer, cutter combo. Yes, he mixes in a few changeups. Yes, he even mixes in a few curveballs. But, I mean, it's a high percentage. You're either getting a sinker or a cutter. 43% of his pitches were sinkers. 36 were cutters. Only 14% of his pitches were changeups. And only 7% of his pitches were curveballs. So, you're getting something pretty hard from, uh, from Cal Quantrill. And it's not like that cutter is that much off of the sinker in speed. It is, a, I mean, a little bit. It's an average of 94.1 on the two-seamer to 89.2 on the cutter. So, yeah, you got about a five-mile-per-hour difference on those pitches. But, I mean, you're looking for something pretty straight from Cal Quantrill and out over the plate, especially if you're a left-handed hitter. 
um, something out over the plate for you to hit. So that's what was going on with Cal. Not his sharpest day by far, but he does enough to get them the win. He does the job. Uh, gets again the run support for Cal Quantrill. Zach Plesac has to be sitting there going, "What in the world do I have to do to get run support like this?" So it's a huge offensive day for the Guardians. I think that's all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day. I got to go with Josh Naylor on this one. That three-run home run to kick things off in the first inning just absolutely set a tone for the offense. And I really feel like uh, not only that, he has the homer, he has a double. He uh, The walk leads to a run coming in. It was a wild pitch, but it leads to a run coming in. So just a you know a huge day for Josh Naylor when a lot of us were questioning why he was still in the four-hole, frankly. Frankly, there was some conversation beforehand on Guardians Twitter of, do we really need Josh Naylor in that four-hole? He has been struggling. He has been struggling a little bit lately in this second half, but he comes through big on this one, and that home run in the first inning was a statement. It was a statement after getting three hit and shut out the night before that, no, 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 this Guardians offense can cook at home. So, uh, yeah, for that huge moment and for everything he contributed on the day, Josh Naylor's taking home MVP on the day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. We got a huge series coming up with the Chicago White Sox, and we've got some pitching matchups for you on this one. Savali's going to make his return on Tuesday. Uh, it is TBD right now for the White Sox. I'm surprised uh, for Tuesday. Today, uh, I'm surprised that uh, I thought there was a name announced, but maybe they changed their minds. Yeah, they're TBD on the whole series right now. Okay, we got McKenzie going on Wednesday. And we got Bieber on the mound to close out the series on Thursday. They're all, uh, what time starts? They're all 8-10 starts. They're all night games there in Chicago. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big one. I mean, this twin series was huge. This White Sox series, we got to keep it at the same level. We got to keep that playoff intensity going. Quantrill talked about this in the postgame. This is the quotes Mandy Bell had. They felt like this was a playoff atmosphere. I said it. I, I said these last two weeks of the season are going to feel like the playoffs have already begun. And they said it. this series felt like a playoff series. They felt it. They were in it. They were motivated. They were pumped up. So, yeah, they got to keep that rolling now. They got to go on the road and face the White Sox team. And they've got to keep that intensity going. So, uh, yeah, a fun one for the Guardians. They win this thing 11-4 over the Minnesota Twins. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.